Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. So as you may know, or may not know at all, cocktails are kind of my thing. At the end of a long day, or any day really, crafting a drink, whether it's simple or more complex, I really look forward to a delicious cocktail. Plus, it makes all conversations better. Tito's Handmade Vodka is always a go-to for me. It's the perfect thing to have on hand to make just about any cocktail. That is what I love about Tito's. It's so versatile. Anything from a Moscow Mule to an Elderflower Martini to a White Russian. Plus, Tito's Handmade Vodka has won a million awards, but for real. It's been distilled six times and won the SF World Spirit Championship. So the next time you are looking for an incredibly drinkable cocktail, pick up some Tito's Handmade Vodka. Plus, you should head over to titosvodka.com to read up more about their story and pick up some delightful recipes. Hey, Fayez. Welcome to Cocktails and Conversations. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Dana. Doing a little day drinking with me on this lovely afternoon. So, cheers. Uh, technically, it's not afternoon yet. Oh, I mean, we have, what, four minutes? I'll cheers. Take, I'll take that as an afternoon. <laughs> so... I mean, really, any time that I can find a time to drink is usually good by me. So we'll you should, be, you we'll should be, seek some help for that. We'll be an afternoon and very shortly. <laughs> um, so today, the cocktail that I made was uh, one of my favorites and an easy go-to, which is a Moscow Mule, of course. Um, so I made that with some Tito's, um, some kind of <clears throat> strawberry compote, some fresh mint, lime juice, lots of lime juice, fresh mint. And then I got this amazing ginger beer from Farm and House, like I told you. So it's very, very potent. It's like the really the ginger spiciness comes through. It does, so, but it's not overly potent. No. It's nice. Yeah, it's not mellow, but it's got like a really strong flavor, which I enjoy. Because cocktails are just, are kind of my thing. I don't mm -hmm. drink beer or wine. And so I just, I love making cocktails and I'm always just trying to find new recipes for all the things that I have to do with dinner your creative... Uh... Side. Right, it's my little creative side, my little outlet of just making drinks that I that I enjoy. Um, however, I would I would be so fascinated to know for you um, if cocktails are something that you enjoy. Um, what kind of like what is your go to drink? Your go to cocktail? Like, do you make any at home? Are you when you go out? Like, what would be like the first thing that you would order? I like you know I like a uh, bitter. I'm you really like bitter. Yes, sure. I'm, I'm very much into all kinds of bitter things. So, okay. um, if I do enjoy a cocktail, it'll be something like a Negroni or a Boulevardier or um, right. the uh, Toronto cocktail, the which Toronto is cocktail. yes, which uses a Fernet and mm -hmm. um, Canadian whiskey and um, some of the you know the bitters, Angostura bitters, and yep. a little bit of simple syrup, and it's yeah, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So things that are pack a punch and they're very intense yeah yeah and i love bitter things so um you know they're bitter, you know san like pellegrino as well um yeah i think i think you know developing that bitter uh the like for something bitter sure. um takes place over a long period of time so the older you get i think you develop a taste for bitter things okay and so yeah bitter foods as well i i you know i'm I'm into it. So I, anyway, but for cocktails, definitely more on the bitter side. I'm not more, into like more of the cloying sweets. Uh, right. Um, That's yeah. probably more on my end. That's where you would find me. 
is more of like a fruity something, right. tropical, yeah. um, flavored things. Definitely with like a, a like a sweeter edge versus right. versus something that like like a Manhattan is something that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would I would drink it, but I wouldn't be drawn to it. Or yeah. like a Negroni would not be something. Wouldn't be something that would be your no. go-to. Yeah, and honestly, I'm open to anything. I I like it all. I okay. really there's there's probably nothing that I wouldn't eat or drink, maybe with the exception of porcupine, and that's a maybe I don't know if the story for this, but okay. uh, for this podcast, but yeah, <laughs> right. that was probably the most foulest thing I've ever eaten. So yeah, maybe with the exception Can you of tell porcupine. Us the context <laughs> that you ate porcupine. <laughs> It was in um, it was in Paris a long time ago. Okay. And um, we happened to uh, see a Cameroonian restaurant. Okay. And uh, walked in because it sounded interesting. Never tried Cameroonian food before. And um, on the menu, there was something that said uh, one of the items was was game meat. And when I asked, when I inquired as to what sort of game meat this was, sure. Um, the woman who uh, didn't really speak very much English, none at all really, she came in and she was trying to explain to me what it was. And she said, uh, c'est, le, c'est le porky pee, c'est le porky pee. And I'm like, porky pee, porky, what's it, like porky pig? I'm thinking pig? Right. And she goes, no, 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 c'est pas le pig, no, 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 c'est la, you know, and she started making these noises and these these um, <laughs> gesticulations of yeah. like, tuck, 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 doing this sort of thing. I'm like, what is she doing? I have no idea what animal she's describing, but I'm thinking, yeah, it's some kind of uh, deer-like animal, whatever, I'll just order it. Okay. And uh, literally, seconds before the plate was presented to me, she comes by with a, with a, with a dictionary, and uh. she points to the word porcupine. I'm like, oh, porcupine. And of course, I, you know, I fall, my face falls a little ashen, and then the plate is laid right before me, and it, and it's, and it's not, there were no aesthetics <laughs> yes. just in the plating, plate in the plating at all. It was a plate of like, how to describe was it? It, like it was grizzly? like, like, um, like braised meat, maybe a little grizzly, yeah, right. with like bones just sticking out of it every which way, and yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, it 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 looked awful. Right. I'm like, okay, maybe it tastes pretty good, but after one taste, it was it was Definitely not not for you, not for me. No, and I was doing, and she was so proud that was I ordered it. Was it fine the, dining or was it like yes, a it, street it, food or no, no? It was it was a finer dining, full service. Okay. and she was so proud that I ordered this this dish that she was standing in front of me <laughs> like a proud mom right. waiting for me to devour this holy right? right and so i took one bite and i you know feigned how delicious it was right. and when she wasn't looking i took a big gulp of water and just swallowed it down and uh and after after a you know a few seconds she she walked away <laughs> and i quickly took all that took the bones out uh, took the meat and tried to, uh, you know, sort of mush it up into a, like a, a little ball and push it off to the side of my plate to make it look as if I'd eaten more. Okay. And and I draped my uh, my napkin over it and I was like, oh, so full, right, so full, right. yeah, yeah. And uh, were you yeah. with anybody else? Like, did they <laughs> try it? Or? No, I was with I was with my girlfriend at the time. Okay. And she had the fish and she loved it. Right. It was fantastic. Enough. And yeah, I got stuck with this. Uh, half devour not even half it was like a, a bite of a, porcupine. a bite of a devoured okay. plate I mean, of porcupine yeah that's not a story that and people have so years later i'm at uh, disney's animal kingdom lodge sure and uh i don't know if you know but you know they 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 get people from various african countries to work the animal kingdom lodge right yeah. and so i saw there was one guy who was from cameroon because it said so on his um on his pin on his uh, label his name tag yeah and um so i went up to him and i said hey uh 
So when I was in Paris many years ago, I ate porcupine. Is this something, you know, common like common yeah. in, in, you know, in, in, in Cameroonian cuisine? And he's like, porcupine? He was like, no, that's like bush meat and only like, you know, crazy people eat that, right. you know? So, yeah, that didn't really make me feel any better, but... But yeah. you gave it a go. I gave it a go, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm up for anything, really. Right. I'll, okay. I'll take a stab. I'll devour. I'll so eat whatever. So if you were up for, like, um, finding, like, a one of your favorite, like, cocktails in town, like, what, what are some places that you would go for a drink? Um, you know, I think the, the, the usual suspects, you know, the, the, the courtesies and the Hansons, and I really like Hanson because it's, Hanson's because it's sort of really small and tucked away and mm-hmm. it only allows, you know, so a certain number people. of people in there and yeah, and, and they make a good Toronto. Okay. <laughs> Did you, you told us what the Toronto was, was the Canadian Yeah, whiskey, Canadian whiskey and Fernet. Fernet. Uh, you know, the bitters and, the and some bitter simple, drink. some okay. simple syrup. Right. Yeah. So it's, Yeah. It's it's uh, it's smooth, but it, it really the Canadian whiskey, which is sort of like a milder, uh, kind of balances out that right. um, the fernet, you know, the yeah. sort of hair on your chest fernet. So, yeah, I really so, enjoy like the it. upscale like cocktail like spots. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, honest, I'm not. I don't think I'm like you, where you're, you're a true cocktail connoisseur. Um, uh, hardly. I, I'm not. I, yeah. Well, you know, you enjoy it. I do on enjoy a it. regular basis. Yes. Many times before noon. Um, uh, but rarely before noon. But <laughs> At least four is, minutes before noon. That's true. <laughs> for today. Yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, uh, for me, I'll uh, I'll gravitate towards you know a, a wine or. But sure. that's you know I'm I'm really I'm, I'll have anything. Right. But uh, uh, but I'm not out. Hey, let's go for a great. Uh, co- well, I guess I you know we could do that sometimes, but. Uh, 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 yeah, so, you know, Renee there at, at, at Hanson's, I think, is really, you know... Talented guy. Very talented, and he's he's really made it made it a true craft, and he's with the craft and that craft cocktail. Yeah. And I think he's also uh, been responsible for the um, the cocktail program at Domu, and, um, which also has really good cocktails as they well. They have fantastic cocktails. Yeah, and I very really... Instagrammable uh, cocktails too. I want to live there. I'm like, how can I, how can I move in <laughs> this little corner? Don't mind me. I'll just be right here. Also, you can feed me all the ramen and, um, they're, they're the crispy, the current Korean the KFC, uh, the KFC, oh, I mean, yeah. good Lord. That <laughs> is just a, really a gift to Orlando. Um, yeah, Domo is definitely, I think I'm just a really top restaurant all around. It is for me. I, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and he's rapidly expanding too. Good so, Lord, yeah. I mean, do what you do and do it well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to a story Tory concept at Mills Fifty. Likewise, yeah. I was I was hoping to be like open already, but we're just. I you know, know. because I think when he initially uh, put that sign up on his building, it said spring 2018. I think is what he uh, said. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll and be then at he got least. Married and, yeah, he got yeah, married. Doing, yeah, and then he opened more bentos and doing all the things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. So one of the reasons I started this co- this um, this cocktail, this podcast, is I just I'm definitely very fascinated with people's stories, and uh, how they have kind of like we know sometimes currently what people are doing, but a lot of times I don't really know how people got to the, to either where they are or just what their background backgrounds were and a lot of people don't originate from Orlando and so kind of the journey of their story and so I would love to hear a little bit more about your story like like you know like there's so much 
that's out of our control with our story, right? Like yeah. where we're birthed on in the world, mm-hmm. like who our family of origin is, like our DNA. Yeah. Um, a lot of circumstances aren't are out of our control, and as we grow into adults and we mature, we get to shape more of that story, and we get to figure out where we're going to go and how hard we're going to work. Mm-hmm. But in the initial, you know, your formative years and your childhood and your grade school years, there's so much that is that you are placed in that you have to kind of figure out and learn and that you're shaped by your family. So I'd love to just hear a little bit about your story as far as just like, you know, where were you born? What was your family like? What were your parents like? Do you have mm-hmm. siblings? What? Where are you in the birth order? All that. What was the vibe in your home? <clears throat> well, um... I guess it was a it was a pretty tumultuous beginning for me. I was born in Tanzania, which is on the east coast of Africa. Okay. And um, at a very young age, my parents moved to Central Africa. They moved to Zaire at the time. Uh, it was called Zaire. Now I believe it's it's called the Congo. Um, and in Zaire, my dad and his brother ran a business, but the country was also run by this uh, uh, fairly brutal dictator. His name was Mobutu Mobutu okay. Seko. And at the time, in the, uh, in the uh, mid-70s, he instituted a policy of black nationalization, which at the time, you know, you know, from, the, you know from the 60s movements uh, here in the United States that, that also caught on in Africa, um, what he did was that he seized um, all our assets, all foreign nationals, because we were considered foreign nationals living in Zaire, so mm-hmm. all our assets were seized. And everything was sort of redistributed to... As in, like, all your possessions? All our possessions, all monies, bank accounts, everything was seized and given to um, blacks living in Zaire. So this was this was the sort of policy. What? Yeah, so it was very... Yeah, it was it was more than intense, yeah. Right. And, um, yeah, and... So what did your family live on, or like how did, how does that like? Well, when this happened, you know, obviously they had to figure what what next steps to take. Right. And um, at the time, the Canadian government uh, there in Zaire, the 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 high commission in in the town that uh, they were living in, uh, was giving visas to all foreign nationals living in Zaire as a result of this policy that Mobutu had instituted. Did so you to, to leave. Yeah, so we're like, uh, we need to do something. We don't want to go back to Tanzania. We got to do something. So um, my 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 mom and dad decided to, you know, take the Canadian government up on their offer right. and uh, secured a visa. And from there, we went to Belgium and spent a little time there. And then from Belgium, we came to Toronto. <clears throat> and... Uh, and the thing is, because all the assets were seized, my dad wasn't allowed to take any money out of the country. You couldn't take anything. So oh. what he did was they that he... check at the border? Or like as you're leaving? Yes, they would. They would frisk you, search you, you know. Yeah, I think he even did some time in jail. Um, Your dad did? My dad did. Just He was just thrown in the slammer for, you know, some trumped-up charge, I guess. Right. But so what he did was he took, a, he took essentially just a 50 U.S. dollar bill and he opened up the back of his tie, and he sewed, he folded the $50 bill and sewed it into the back of his tie. Smart guy. And we came to Canada with uh, 50 bucks, 50 U.S. dollars. Dang. And um, the the fortunate thing is that my dad's cousin was, was living in Toronto at the time. He had come over a year or two prior. Right. And got 
within like two weeks, both my mom and dad got jobs in the same uh, company in which he was working. So mm -hmm. they were able to, you know, sort of build Sustain. their life. Yeah. And when I when I think back on this, even when we contextualize all this, like you were um, sort of mentioning before, how it shaped me and this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I look back on that and I and I find it very hard to forget this sort of thing that they came to this country with nothing and made, you know, sacrifices that I I can't even imagine. You know. How old were you at the time when you came to Canada? I was uh, four, five years old. Okay. Four and a half, something like that. Five. So so cognitive of what is going happening around. Yes, you. very cognizant of what was going on. Right. I, I I even you know have little uh, flashes of remembrances in 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 Brussels. I remember uh, spending some time in a hotel there while we were waiting for all the paperwork to clear. And, um, yeah, so very spotty uh, memories. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but you know, I grew up, so I grew up in Toronto. So I, the first school I went to was, was, was there. I went to kindergarten there and, um, and, and sort and of like... You, had you known English when you were... Yes, yes. So in... Um, <laughs> my parents tell me that, you know, when I was young, when I was just like three, four years old, I could speak right. Swahili fluently. I would speak French fluently okay. because in Zaire, it was like a French colony, a Belgian colony. And uh, our yayas, you know, the uh, our nannies, would only speak to me in French. And I would, my parents would tell me I would scold her in French if she didn't do something <laughs> that I wanted to. And then... When we came to Canada, and of course we spoke Indian dialect because I'm of Indian descent. So, our ancestors in the 1700s uh -huh. came came from India, yeah, like Gujarat and Kutch and these sorts of places, okay. to um, to Africa, to East Africa, you know, Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, and South Africa. You know, in um, Gandhi is very famous for coming to uh, uh, South Africa and, and being a lawyer there, but. Um, so there, there was like this uh, a migration of um, of of Indians of Asians moving to um, Africa to just you know start a better life, and uh, so yeah so so my 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 descent I'm of Indian descent, mm -hmm. but I was of African nationality. Yeah, right. Yeah. But now you know I'm a Canadian yeah, by nationality. Right. So yeah, I was born in Tanzania, but I, I'm 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 a Canadian uh, citizen. And uh, living here in the United States for the last almost 20 years now. Sure. So I feel, sometimes I feel like, um, well, no, I guess I don't feel like I'm, I'm a man without a country, but I, <laughs> I do feel like, a, um, I don't know, a citizen of the world at times, you know, because I have this sort of varied background. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, in my heart, I, I guess I do feel Canadian. Okay. Uh, even because though really I, you live there from... Five till yes, till college I, there. Right, right, correct. And yep. yeah, so I moved. I've I've lived here now for nineteen years. Um, Same here, nineteen years. Oh really? I moved here in two thousand. In two thousand, I moved here in ninety nine. Okay. So, uh, so after all this time, I still feel I don't know. I still feel like I'm Canadian. Yeah. Um, even though I obviously have American sensibilities, and people ask me, "What the hell is the difference between being a Canadian and American?" They're and they're they may be subtle, but <laughs> I mean, I think they're definitely we're, pointed. We're growing up in those formative years that really kind of embeds us with the culture <clears throat> of that time. Right. Right. Like I was saying, I lived in Virginia and just kind of growing up in that culture. Yeah. And then a lot of those things are we absorb them so much because we're so little and that kind of sticks with us as we go to as adults into the rest of the world. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the one thing I really liked about Toronto even at that young age was that 
everybody that I went to school with seemed to be from other places. Mm. Uh, so I didn't feel as um, isolated or as much of a, you know, quote unquote foreigner or alien, you mm-hmm. know, because, you know, I went to school with like kids from Jamaica and kids from Trinidad and Greece and Italy. And like, it was just like a mishmash. And that's really what Toronto is. It's a very multicultural city and always has yeah. been even in the seventies. But that's not to say that, you know, my parents didn't experience uh, you know, difficulties and hardships and, you know, uh, you know, racist, uh, you know, uh, incidents and stuff like that. Cause I, I still, I still do recall, uh, you know, some of the harsher times hmm. and, and, um, uh, you know, feeling really hurt. Was uh, the area in the community that you grew up in, was it multicultural? Yes, it was, was very it? multicultural. Right. And, uh, you know, there were, you know, so-called, you know, white Canadians living there. And when the school I went to was, again, a very, very mixed. Even at that time, even in the 70s at that time, very, very mixed. Right. And so it, it sort of maybe lessened the uh, the blow of moving to a completely foreign... I think for my parents, for me, it was much easier because I'm with a bunch of kids and we're all kind of like in the same You're, boat. Yeah, for my parents, it had to have been much, much more difficult coming to a land that, you know, with snow and winter and... Uh, you know, my dad was like, a, you know, he taught uh, electrical engineering and, you know, my mom, uh, you know, was also like a professional in a bank. And then coming coming to a new country and having to start all over with just 50 bucks. And, yeah. uh, you know, my dad got into like the, uh, excuse me, the uh, financial uh, world and became like a systems analyst, something completely different than what he, uh, you know, <laughs> what he was uh, educated right, for. Right, educated too. So, yeah, so we were also, we were all, we were always very, and you know. you uh, had siblings? And not at the time. So I was not an only the, child. You were only child? And then, and then my sister. Okay. <laughs> after, after we had moved um, uh, from the city, we moved out to the suburbs and, um, and once I think my parents felt like they had a, you know, a decent uh, financial footing and they were in a, in a, in a much better place, mm-hmm. um, then my sister was born uh, 14 years after I was. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's like a big gap between me and my sister. And she, you know, I remember writing the story for a magazine, this multicultural magazine, and it was all within the context of how she's viewing, you know, her existence through the lens of... Uh, uh, you know, my parents, as, as opposed to how I'm viewing it, because I, I still, for me, the, you know, them like coming here with nothing and starting a life and having to go through being, you, you know, not having a lot that. of money and living through all yeah. that. And, um, and, and just, just trying to give her a sense of what it was like, uh, before she was born, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, it's in, in in many ways it's like the sort of classic, you know, immigrant story. You know, um, and you know, my you know ours is, was was obviously a little uh, <laughs> little unique because you know because of uh, of just uh, um, the incarceration of my dad and uh, and and having to just. Dis- Flee very quickly to mm-hmm. one country, and then then to the next, and then coming to a completely foreign foreign land with like nothing, and um, so I think I think that's probably why I still hold a a very um, personal affiliation with Canada because they gave us that 
uh, opportunity, safety. that chance. Yeah, that home. Yeah, that home and, and, and just the opportunity to, you know, um, better our lives and, and a stable life. Yeah. 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 So that's, uh, that's the story. And then, um, and then, yeah, I went to school. I, I, I uh, <laughs> you went to the University of Toronto. Yes, I did. I and did, I but that was, this but that. Summer. Oh yeah, that's I did. right. It's very beautiful. Yes, I love that campus. It's very large. Very large. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's very huge. Large. It's it's a, it's like a very historic uh, university uh, in Canada. You know, here you have Harvard and Yale, and in Canada we have like the University of Toronto and McGill. Those are kind of like the the two big universities. And, okay. But I, you know, at the time I, you know. Um, I didn't go there initially. I, I actually went to a different university. I, I, I wanted to pursue like a career in computer science. And after like a year and a half, I realized, oh my God, I, I, I hate this. Sure. You know, I hate writing code. And, right. and I, this is not for me. And I really love reading and I want to pursue English literature, which I knew like coming from, from an Indian uh, family, they always want you to be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, it's like, a, you know, very classic Asian sort of stereotype. Right. And so I remember like, um, breaking the news to my parents, like, and telling them that, yeah, I, 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 I want to, I want to pursue something English in the literature. Arts, right? Yeah. Something in the arts. And, the, and yeah, again, it was just like stone face or like, mm, well, it's your life, you know? And, um, and so I transferred, I got, I went, got, thankfully, you know, I, I got into U of T and these are like one of those seminal moments I see in my life yeah. that if I didn't get accepted into U of T, where would I have been, you know? And so I got, got went to U of T. Yes. 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 And, um, and, and a way to sort of appease my parents, I, I, I got a minor in like environmental physics just so, just in case, you know, the English. You lit- just like <laughs> threw environmental physics in there? Yeah. Because I guess when I transferred a lot of the credits over, yeah, uh, I was able to like I realized that you know what I could probably after you know four courses or so I could get a minor in environmental physics. So I did that. I didn't do too. I didn't do very well in those classes. But uh, but anyway, I English lit graduated, and I was like, all right now, now what the hell am I going to do? Right. And the funny thing is, so as soon as I graduated, I was um, I, I got into this field where you where you sort of program those. Um, you know the credit card credit card swipe machines at restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know where you, sure. we I, I was I was working for the credit card company and I was like helping to program those machines and showing the servers how to use it. So I got that exposure to the whole to the restaurant ah, scene in a very different kind of way. Interesting. You know, yeah, a, a back end sort of way. Okay. But uh, so I did that for a couple of years and was able to pay off a lot of my debt, my student uh, my student uh, debt, and uh, and then there was like an ad in the paper. For, they were looking for journalists at the Toronto Star, and because at the time, you know, the internet was just starting up. Sure. It wasn't even starting up. It was just very. It was very in its nascent fate, nascent stage. And, this and is they were like, like, like in the ninety, 90s? yeah, in, in the mid nineties. Right. Yeah. So this was probably nineteen ninety five. Okay. And um, and so I applied for a job, seeing an ad in the paper, and. You know, I don't know how many people nowadays see an ad in the paper and get a job, but at the time, I went for the interview and uh, miraculously somehow got this job because I did, at the time, I had done not that much writing. I wrote for this magazine, like I was telling you about, where, where I talked about our story yep. uh, coming to Canada. And I'd written maybe an article or two for the school newspaper at U of T. Yep. And so, very little experience, but... Yeah, I guess he just took a chance on me. The managing editor did. Okay. And next thing you know, I'm. And this I'm, is pretty soon after college, right? Yeah, it was yeah. like I guess a, a year and a years. half or so. Yeah. 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 
And so <clears throat> when when I got that job, then I then I got the sense that my parents um, uh, got why I wanted you know to wanted to pursue this. English lit because right. um, because it, this this you know almost like justified it in, in in their minds. You know, I'm like, oh, he's working for the newspaper. That's big time now. Sure. Now all of a sudden they can be sort of somewhat proud of me, right? Oh man! Uh, oh, no. <laughs> not that I was necessarily looking for that, but it was a great byproduct, right? You know? uh, so. Um, so yeah, so I started uh, writing about sports. I covered, you know, I covered all the Toronto sports teams, like you know the, the Raptors when they first started, and the Blue Jays, and you know, I went to different sorts of sports events like tennis and cricket, and and it, I really, I really, you know, thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, at the time, the managing editor was good friends with um, one of the recruiting managers for uh, at what at the time was called Ticket. Ticketmaster City Search, okay. and City Search was like this online city guide, kind of like AOL Digital City and all those really old <laughs> online sort of inter- arts and entertainment and news platforms. Um, and so he, he said, you know, they're looking for people in the U.S. Why don't you go down for like a year, get some experience, and then okay. come back? It might be good for you. you. Don't have any, you're not tied down here in right. any way. You know, you're not married or anything. Right. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go down. And so. Uh, the, the the recruiting manager asked me what cities I'd be interested in going to, and they, they ran the gamut from like Sacramento to Las Vegas to New Orleans, Orlando, and it just so happened that my my dad's sister was living in Orlando at the time. Uh-huh. So they said, why don't you go to Orlando? At least you know you'll know somebody there. I'm like, all right, sure, I'll go to Orlando. Whatever, it's just a year, and then I'm moving back. Right. And I came down. 1999. Ni- yeah, 1999. All right. And. Uh, um, I, I hired a couple of editors, and we sort of covered the city, uh, food, arts, music, the whole the whole bit. And um, in two thousand one, right around right around nine eleven, okay, the the economy tanked, and uh, we all got laid off. I remember I was out in California, and I got the got the call that yep, you're being laid off. I'm like, right. holy crap, I'm being laid off. I guess all right. Well, I guess I'm uh, moving back to Canada. You know. Um, but, you know, I, I thought, you know, what am I, what am I going to do there? I could go back to the star, but I'm here. And so I started exploring opportunities. Did, I started, you, did you like the, the climate here? Yes, you know, because I love, I love, I love playing tennis, you know, yeah, as you know. I do. Love playing tennis. And so I thought, okay, mm, this may be like a cultural wasteland. Uh-huh. <laughs> no offense, uh, Orlando, but at the time it, at the it time, certainly was. Yep. Um, 1995. Yeah, but I love. 1999. 1999, 2000. Yeah. Early 2000s. Yes, yes, for sure. And but I really liked being outdoors, and I was very active, like hiking and doing all the stuff, right. kayaking, and so uh, I thought, well, let me let me see if I can find something here. And like, long story short, I got a job at Harcourt, which was like this publishing company, Harcourt Brace. Yes. And uh, got a job there, and. Um, Ended up meeting my future wife, and yeah, that one year has now turned into almost 20. I wow. think this, yeah, this, obviously, this summer, it'll be 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's and so I, so I feel kind of, like, privileged to have seen, you know, all the changes that that the city has undergone. Lando, like, the you metamorphosis. Know? The metamor- into, true metamorphosis, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Into this. Into this. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know if, like, what you're doing here with this podcast and talking to all these, you know... Um, uh, interesting people, present yeah. company excluded, um, you know, would have been even possible or something that people would even be remotely interested in back then. 
But right. now it's like, you know, you can have a field day. Right. <laughs> yeah. That is such a, a cool story, an interesting story. Um, rambling. Rambling, but, rambling. But, I mean, that's the thing is like, <laughs> like the people that land here and the stories that they bring with them and the culture that has been brought to the city to build up something, I think that's that, that what we're seeing is growing and is getting to be interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I also think that's probably why the uh, at the time the, the the Orlando Weekly took a took a chance in hiring me, because because when I having grown up again in Toronto, I was I was exposed to many cultures and therefore many foods. Like mm-hmm. I'd love to go to all my friends' houses and try their mom's cooking. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember having this conversation with my mom. I went to my uh, a Trinidadian friend's house. Actually, he was half Trinidadian, half Iranian, but his, his mom was Trinidadian and would cook a lot of the West Indian style curries. And I remember coming home one day saying, oh, mom, you have got to make this kind of curry, you know, because I love it. I love it. And they were like, West Indian curry? No, 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 no. They're not even Indian. You know, there's like this East Indian, West Indian sort of Rivalry. like rip. Yeah, they think, no, they don't think West Indians are real Indians, you know. Yeah. Whereas I'm sure people from India probably don't think Afro Indians are real Indians because they've also... Like when you, like some of the dishes we have aren't aren't Indian at all. They're African dishes, right. you know. And so we've, you know, there's that there's been that fusion of uh, of uh, African influence with the with the Indian uh, uh, background. And so yeah. uh, I'm sure purist Indians would think, oh no, that's not that's not Indian food. That's a bastardization <laughs> of it, you Fair know. Uh, and likewise with how you know my parents thought the same of like West Indian culture. So it, it was very interesting. But anyway, I I really enjoyed eating my friend's mom's foods yeah and so when i came down here i thought man i where can i go for like uyghur food or where can i go for a good roti you know guyanese mm, style roti or right like i don't know you know so it, it was really kind of like finding the spots finding the spots so or figuring out that we didn't didn't have it at that time at the time yeah right. so so yeah so it's really been interesting to see the maturation you know just the diversity of of our Absolutely. of our of our food scene you know to put yeah. it like so um so that that part, I, I I feel like I've been it's been a privilege to to be a part of, you know, Absolutely. and so I think that's why I think because I I had already had a an awareness of of various you know foods growing up that I could apply that knowledge in some way uh, here in Orlando. So right. yeah. So with adulthood that we grow into and then we shape our story and then we find that life is full of ups and downs, right? It's it's this high and low and and making it and as we've known of of going through um some darker times and then some times that are more like bright and light and filled with all the good things um has there ever been like a moment or a season in your life of um i mean i kind of obviously have known and lived that like you know like no no humans are exempt from from tragedy or heartbreak or heartache mm-hmm. you know that's a part of everybody's story and we don't get to choose when it happens or what the <clears throat> circumstances are and how long that lasts but has there ever been like kind of like a devastating moment or a time or season in your life um and if so kind of like how did you kind of come up out of that hmm. season that's a good question the fact that I'm uh, pausing here maybe may lead your listeners to think that I haven't been exposed to tragedies and yeah. devastation. And I have, but, you know, the funny thing is that none really seem to come to mind. You know, both my parents, you know, thank God, are, you know, still alive, uh, you know, and my sister as well. And, uh, you know, sure, we've, we've, we've been surrounded by tragedy. And I felt that, you know, when all my, mother, uh, my, all my mother's brothers 
passed away at such a young age, all, you know, all before the age of 50, that, um, you know, and just to see her, because she's the youngest, having to live through all that, mm -hmm. I've, like, you know, felt that devastation in her. And sometimes it makes me worried for myself, is that, mm, you know, am, am I going to be, uh, am I going to succumb to the same fate where, you know, before I'm at the age of 50, I'm going to, you know, pass away because, <laughs> because I'm, you know, my genes are more the, alike, right, my hereditary. mom's brothers, or it'd be my dad's on my dad's side. They all lived to ripe old ages, you know, they lived to like my grandfather was like a hundred years old before he passed. And, you know, all my dad's brothers, with the exception of one who just passed away about a year and a half ago at a pretty old age, you know, so I think it could be, I could go either way, you know, live a long time or, you know, die in the next few months, you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But uh, but back to your back to your question about mm, being devastated. Um, I I feel like uh, you know I'm the type of person to um, not really allow that to consume me mm -hmm. too much. Um, it's not to say that I'll uh, repress it in any kind of way, whatever whatever the devastation or the tragedy is, but to um, but to move from it. Uh, fairly quickly because, you know, life sort of goes on and it's kind of cruel because, you know, I've, I've experienced some, you know, some deaths in the family and I really feel, uh, you know, for the people who are, who are the survivors of it, uh, you know, the children whose parents, and I, and I try to put myself in their shoes and I think, my God, they're, you know, they're going through hell, you know, I know you just recently lost your dad. And when I thought of that, I thought, oh my God, just, you know, I, it's 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 you know you're you're going through an ordeal you mm -hmm. know and um and i think and then and then um and then i'll uh I'll, I'll get a phone call and i'll start talking about something completely different as i'm thinking of this tragedy that's mm -hmm. be, that's befallen somebody else the duality of and life. i think that's so cruel i sh i should i should um you know i should uh, uh let it you know, fester a little bit. I should like mm. uh, contemplate this devastation that that's befallen a friend or a family member a little bit more, you know, out of disrespect as opposed to just, oh, taking this phone call or, oh, I just got a text. I got to read this. Oh, like something on TV. But, but when I think that, I think that's just the, that's just life, you know, life just, just goes on it and, and it immediately goes on sometimes very cruelly. And I think that, you know, when, uh, you know, when my parents pass or a loved one passes, then it's going to be the same thing, you know. People will um, send their condolences, and then they'll just move right on. Well, they have to go drive to the you know grocery store to pick up whatever, or they got to go to work, you know, and they listen to the radio and jack up the music, and they'll rock out, you know. They'll so um, so I guess uh, I try to be a little uh, aware of that, a little cognizant of that, and try to respect, even though I'm not in the same city as them, but try to just out of respect for whoever has passed, just, um, um, just let it, uh, uh, consume me a little bit mm -hmm. Sure. out of respect because, you know, maybe that's the way I would want them to, um, remember you. Yeah. yeah. Or, or yeah. Think of me if some, something bad happens mm -hmm. to me or my life. So in the flip side of that, um, with all the, the beautiful things that, that happen in life and the things that we work for and try to make this city and this world a better place, um, have, has there been like a seminal moment or an event or, um, I don't know, some achievement that you have felt a lot of pride in? Oh, 
Yeah, I don't really feel pride too much. No. No, I, I, I don't know or what. Sense of accomplishment. I feel like my wife will feel very proud of me. And right. I'm like, oh, wow, cool. You know, and then I'll just move on. Okay. Like, I don't, uh, or a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, it's very fleeting. I don't know why. Maybe I, maybe I should uh, allow that sensation to, uh, you know, wash over me for a little longer. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I did that. Now let's move on. You know, if I ah. write something interesting or, you know, someone, you know, sends me an accolade or, uh-huh. I think, oh, that's really, that's really good. And then, yeah, just, just moving on because <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it's the phase of life that I'm going through where I see everything is so fleeting and, uh, and short that, you know, I don't, maybe I, I don't take time to stop and smell those roses. Uh-huh. You know, I'll smell other roses, but if it comes to like accomplishments and pride and all that sort of thing, I, I, I don't know. I don't really get. I don't really get too caught up in that. So when you ask You're me something... You're more kind of in the moment of like where yes. I am right now. Yeah, my wife yeah. will tell you the same thing. I'm right. very much in the moment. Like if we have like a spat or an argument or something, and we like shouting at each other, blah, 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 blah. And then all right. After like half an hour, okay, I'm good. I'm like back to normal conversation. Right. Where he goes, oh no, I need a day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I need a day before, you know, we can start getting back to normal talk. And I'm like, really? Come on. What's this? this that happened like a half an hour ago. It's like ages ago. Let's, I let's go. I think that's <laughs> kind of interesting and kind of leads into the next segment, which is the Enneagram, which I had mentioned to you before. And um, I think it is very fascinating just like how we are created so differently intrinsically mm. um, because the way that I communicate could be very different than some the way that somebody else communicates a reward for me is different than a reward for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, I think being the most mm-hmm. self-aware is the, one of the most important things that you can do so that you can know how to like, you know, yourself, you know, how, um, when you're healthy, what does that look like when you're not healthy? What does that look like when I'm interacting with different people of different kind of personality types, like holding them in awareness so that I can interact in a way that's obviously hopefully the most beneficial not that we have that awareness all the time or even choose into it because sometimes I'm just like yeah I don't even care to to meet you where you are but the Enneagram as I mentioned I know you kind of haven't really dug into it much but um I think it's just interesting to see the Enneagram has this kind of like map or road map to say like um like the full scope of our different personality types and like what we hold important and how we operate and our operating systems are different and how we act and react and interact with other people out of that. Um, so with the Enneagram, if you don't know, it's um, kind of like nine different personality types. And from within that, um, it does give you a good overall sense of like, hey, when you're healthy, you're kind of moving into this space. And when you're unhealthy, kind of keep keep an awareness out so that you know like hey i'm i might be heading down towards this path because um i think for me when i was kind of learning about all this stuff it was very helpful for me to have that kind of spelled out for me um because i didn't really sometimes know why i was feeling all the feelings all the time Mm -hmm. and other people felt like we could encounter the same situation and i would come at it in response with anger Mm. And somebody else might come at it in a response of shame. And it's just a very different, we're just intrinsically very different. And so with you, when I was reading through the Enneagram and um, I 
didn't know like if you had known about it or whatever, but I thought that you would probably be a five, which is the investigator. Mm -hmm. And I think that you kind of looked over that and confirmed that as well. But when yeah. I, what I have known about you, of course, is just like um, the five has this intense need for knowledge, mm. you know, and so knowledge is power. So that, right. they're, they're very, right. um, so I'm just going to read the five just in case you're not familiar with it, but the five is the intense cerebral type, right? So you're like in your head, you're working things out, mm. um, you know, very perceptive, innovative, secretive, isolated sometimes, mm -hmm. as we talked about earlier, yeah. um, which is just so fascinating because like my brother Peter is a five and while he's more of like an extroverted five, he really holds true to a lot of these things that your and kind of your end goal is, is that knowledge and like having that knowledge is your power, mm. right? And mm -hmm. so like keeping that um, very close to your chest and then like who you allow in your life is also maybe more limited. But like when you have those relationships that are very powerful because mm they're they're more limited right and not mm -hmm. just like oh i'm just you know friends with everybody um which i think also kind of leads into the talent that you have within the role that you have as far as like you have you would have to know so much to write so much in in what you are doing like for this city um and i just think that like you have been like you are such an important voice in Orlando and around one of my absolute favorite topics which is you know food and drink in that regard and um, I think it's been very beautiful to see Orlando grow especially in the past probably like five to six years mm -hmm. like within the the culture of the food and the drink industry yeah. and when we think of cities that we'd love to go and to visit and things to do and I think you know, food is a, a huge pillar of that. And then you kind of helping to give a voice to the food culture that has grown here. So I thank you so much for kind of how you've grown that here in a very um, elevated, elegant way. Well, thank you. That's really nice of you. Of course. Yeah. It is interesting you say the... Um about the about the friends <laughs> you know sometimes i feel i'm very like your brother an extroverted five uh -huh. and i feel like i have many many friends but when i'm in those situations because i'm secretive in many ways i'll i'll just in those situations i'll just show that one side of me the uh, hey it's uh you know whatever happy go lucky uh fires and 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 i'm interacting with people and i'm using that to like uh maybe maybe gain some knowledge by using that side of my personality sure. and then and then the other side where i you know uh you know i i just rather be a you know a, you know misanthrope or, <laughs> or maybe not misanthrope but uh where i just rather be by myself um it's fine and, and i and i also feel like at times i only allow uh, very few people to see the right. real me, you mm -hmm. know, and it's interesting because this this podcast is a very public forum, and I feel like I'm doing that, and uh, but it's not really making me feel uncomfortable okay. because I think uh, I think we're doing it in this sort of context of uh, may maybe it's like what you were saying, it's this self awareness. Maybe sometimes it's good to be a little self aware, and if it takes like a podcast for me to, um, you know, 
be a little more self-aware than, than so be it. But generally speaking, this is not what I would be talking about to people in whatever, yeah. you know, social situations or even like if we have, uh, you know, friends over for dinner or we go to their house or whatever, you know, we'll obviously talk about some deep, meaning, meaningful things. But uh, to this level, uh, I just don't think it's necessary. Necessary? Mm -hmm. In what regard? I don't think it's necessary for people to know all this or uh, everyone to know all, all this. All everyone's business. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so I would love to, for you to share a little bit about kind of like the role that you have in like the business that you work within as far as like what you do within the city. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I really, I write about, I write about food and at times it's not just food because now food has come to mean, you know, more than just food and more than just eating. I, I feel now, you know, going out to eat, there's so many issues now, um, very complex issues that are tied around the act of eating. You know, there's like things about, uh, you know, issues about cultural appropriation and, and mm -hmm. uh, sexual harassment. And there are all these things, you know, the local, you know, going local as opposed to like, you know, getting something that's not or seasonality and all these things that now yeah. um, diners have to be aware of. <clears throat> not everyone is. You know, right. um, but a lot of people now are. So I, I find it's it's a far different experience now than it was like ten years ago when we went out to eat. You know, it's a lot to think about. It's it's I heavy. I completely you know? agree. Yeah, it's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the questions you ask right. the, wa the the waiter before you order. Right. You know, where are you getting this fish from, man? Yeah. Like where you know. Did you ever all... see that Portlandia? The port yeah, yes. exactly. Yep. Yeah, the, but the, the what's, chicken. What's the name of the chicken? What has it been? Yeah. How has it been? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. They, I mean, they they took that to a you know a very uh, acerbic and a spoofy level, but right. but it's you know and, and it's very much true. You know, uh, people want to be aware of, of, of those sorts of issues before sure. they dive into their plate. So, um, so seeing that has been very, uh, very intriguing. And so I try to, yeah, so I try to give voice to that and try to give voice to our city. And, you know, a lot of the times it's, uh, what I write is, you know, snotty and, and, you know, full of cussing, but sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, necessary in order for people to hear, in order for people to hear, you know, I think a lot of the times people outside of Orlando, especially from a national level, they, you know, just kind of kind of ignore us and uh, feel we're just about theme parks and Disney and this sort of thing. So right. I try to um, give voice to, to 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 those people who've been silenced, um, hmm. in in a way. Interesting. You know, not all the time, but yeah. uh, but uh, but more so. Um, <laughs> this may sound like really I don't know what what does it sound like, but I I don't really. Um, particularly write to my audience I really just write for myself because I feel if I wasn't writing about food I'd be writing about something because I find that's uh, something that I absolutely have to do sure it's just a, I need to write about something outlet it's an outlet right yeah. so food just like any coming from a journalistic background food just like sports or you know covering covering local politics it's just about research gaining knowledge and then just yeah. applying it in, in in your writings so um so I, I want to make sure that what I write, if I read it, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, if I go back and read an old review, I need to be happy with it, you know? Just, I need to be happy right, with it. Right, for your own sake. From, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily, I don't really... It's not about the public's opinion. No, no, like, it isn't. Right. Yeah. So I think one of, in one of the Enneagrams, it's like I need, um, 
when I, I need like uh, the public to acknowledge me or give me the uh, you know pats on the back or the accolades, mm-hmm. I don't I don't really need that. Sure, it, it ha- that has to come it's from more me. Internally, I to, yes, yeah. Because yeah, if I don't like it, with myself, yeah, right. And that's more important than if I'm acknowledged in the greater, larger sense. Yeah, yeah. a lot of times people will will think will tell me, hey, that was a great review, and I go back and read it, and I think it's crap, and I'm thinking, damn, I I just want this uh, gone. I want this erased. <laughs> from the internet or from print i I don't even want to see it and the fact that they're like telling me oh this is great this is great i I, that doesn't mean much to me (laughs) but could somebody validate you in a way that you're like yeah like i am proud of this article because i feel like it was like a great piece yeah yeah right yeah so and like i i don't know like what i was saying before that to me that that sensation is very fleeting like i don't know if i really need that you know the those uh that validation. That validation. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to think this through right, right. now at the moment. And <laughs> I feel like it's always nice. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound like, a, like an ass. You know, like right. it's always very nice, you know, to get compliments to get and kind words. that Absolutely. kind of kind words and validation. Yeah. I just don't know if I need them, you know, like Absolutely. need them to be happy or fulfilled or yeah. whatever, you know. Uh, that's how we're all built differently, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting. And I don't know where that comes from. It's not like... I don't think I got a lot of, you know, validation growing up from my parents. They were, like, too busy. They were too busy. Like, I feel sometimes just tough it up and just do it, man. You know, just do it. Because I think that was the ethic that my parents took. Sure. They said, look, we got to survive here. Right. Let's just get to work and survive. That's kind of the you know? MO that you received from them. Right. And that kind of stuck yeah, in here. Just, that that kind of stuck here. Right. Just and do then it. You... Get it done. And let's move on here. Let's, yeah. you know. That's we don't need we don't all the, we don't need the frills here. Let's yeah. just do it. Yeah. And you work for... Oh, the Orlando Weekly. The Orlando yes. Weekly. Yes. The Orlando Weekly. Yeah. So, so they, I've been very privileged. I really, I, I, I'm so thankful for them because they they give me the voice. I right. feel like if I was writing for another publication, I wouldn't be able to be me, mm-hmm. and they allow me to be me, which I'm so so grateful for. I don't know how many people could say that, but they allow me to say what I want, for the most part, um, and uh, and and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so glad. So with all of that and the job that you have. Um, which probably keeps you pretty engaged and pretty full a lot. My, full. My, yeah, full, definitely yeah. full. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, last, my last topic is the topic of rest. And so that's something that's, that's getting growing as I'm getting older more and more and more important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Has I, it been difficult for you? Um, I mean, I think I've always been drawn to rest. And I am more... Um, I think that I, I maybe have not always done it in an, in, in an productive way. So rest in the sense of like you kind of retreating, resting, renewing in, 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 in a term of like the, uh, of a Sabbath, right? Just to, the Sabbath means to stop. Right. And to stop is very, um, you have to let go of control of trust of like there's a lot of things to do right we mm-hmm. have, I have a lot of things on my plate and so um this idea of like it just doesn't mean to like so I can stop working or stop checking my emails but then I can be like well I'm just gonna do this load of laundry or I'm just gonna do these little errands or I'm just gonna like respond to this work text or like but like actual stopping and moving towards things that actually like renew me so when I take the time to, to to stop, to rest, renew, restore, to take a step back and really figure out how to care for myself well 
and so that I can offer my best self self to the world. So like what? How do you what do you do to renew yourself? For me? Yeah. Oh, wow. See how I flip the question? That's the that's the number 5 in me. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um I'll give you that and then you'll have to answer next. But um yeah, for me usually it it looks like one day a week that I really make a really concerted effort and sometimes it's not 24 hours, but most of the time I really try to do a day of the week um <clears throat> to to yeah, to not to to not be in working in any context. So Disengage. there's a lot yeah. of different things that I am doing in my life and responsible for, but really is disengaging. So for me, it's it also depends on where I land that week because sometimes I can get to the end of the week and I'm doing pretty good, right? And so that could look like going out and being a social and attending a party and being with friends. And it could be, um, you know, one thing that I really love to do is estate sailing. So, like, some of the things that I find, I, I love digging and I love thrifting. And so sometimes that's an outlet for me, right, to, like, go and do something active. And then sometimes I arrive at the end of the week and I'm just tired and exhausted and I've just kind of given everything that I've had to the week and to people. And so at the at the end of the week and that Sabbath day is a day of real rest, which means kind of, like, a lot of times I have to say no to social things and I read and I watch Netflix and I'm kind of like retreating. Veg. I veg. And um, and sometimes it's like with one friend, hey, come over for a drink or let's go for a walk. You know, like doing these things that are like... So you can, you can veg even with another person. Yeah. You know, you, it's not like alone time. I mean, I need both, right? So I think that I am definitely very extroverted and like most of my whole life is extroverted and I love it and I have to have it. Mm -hmm. But then also I see myself in rhythms of like, man, when I'm coming through the end of this week or sometimes like if I haven't had a day off in two weeks, like I'm feeling it inside where I'm like, I definitely need to have veg time where like I'm in my pajamas and I have a good book mm -hmm. and I'm just at home. I maybe make food for myself, you know, and I don't have to kind of exert myself in even a physical way and so I can just kind of detach from my work but really I'm doing things that are restoring to me and so the next day you feel re-energized yeah uh, you feel renewed and the same thing if you went estate sailing that that's also a source for you it to could, renew and it re does I think that for me it's like where I am in that moment like where I am at, at the end of that week or whatever that looks like like I have to listen to my spirit and my mm -hmm. body physically and see, like, like what do I want to do with this time off? Like, do I want to engage with people? Do I want to go drive to the ocean and have a beach day? Do mm -hmm. I want to sit in my room and read a book mm -hmm. and just kind of be by myself? So for me, right. that's usually what rest looks like. Yeah, so you, you take an, an actual day. I usually to, do. Uh, yeah, I don't, I guess I don't, um, I don't take a day. Sure, uh, yeah. I feel I feel like I sleep pretty well too, which I think is really important. Like I'll sleep my Super seven eight hours, important, yeah. and, and I'm ready to go the next day. And mm -hmm. and I feel uh, yeah, there there are times where we just got to get away from work. And I like to then play tennis, or I like to uh -huh. play. You know, we play hockey on Tuesday nights. You know, I love doing that. So those are your outlets. Outlets. For like and even though you're exerting a lot of energy, I feel like that's also very rejuvenating. Yeah. It, it, I, like, I need to do that. Like, you know, my wife will, like, you know, she'll she'll uh, joke and say, oh, you love hockey more than you love me. And, like, you know, yeah, on, on Tuesday, <laughs> nights at, Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, 
so I like I like being active like that. I like doing things, uh, you know, uh, uh, sporty things that mm-hmm. uh, you know that 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 that's more than just going to the gym. So I, I feel that that's... And it's not like so with with that activity. It's not like a competitive thing, or it's not like something where you're like I I don't know sports can. Yeah, it can be competitive. Right, yeah. Or like dominating, but it's, yeah. I mean, it's just like, I'm here to have fun. Yeah, right? here to have fun, I'm yeah. Here to, like, We're not here to be, yeah, this isn't exert like, you know. this cathartic energy out into yeah. like the court. Yeah, I'm not like softball guy where, you know, you, you play cutthroat, you know, and you're trying to like take the other person out or no. Yeah. We're just doing it for fun because it is fun, you know. And I think, um, I think maybe, uh, maybe I incorporate those little moments of rejuvenation and regeneration and rest throughout the day, uh-huh. you know. Like I'm... I'm not, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm opposed to like taking a nap yeah. for like a half an hour, yeah. which just, then I wake up and I feel good, mm-hmm. you know? But so you're I listening think, to your body is like... Oh yeah, I definitely listen to my body. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes my, my body will say, all right, you need to, you need to go yeah. to sleep now. And I'm like, what? Okay. Uh, six <laughs> o'clock. I got to go take a nap for an hour. Right. You know? Uh, so yeah, I think I, I do listen to my body in that sense, but I incorporate those, those elements of rest throughout the day so i don't really require it i don't say okay sunday that is my rest day where i'm uh-huh. just gonna veg out and do nothing no i i you know i i you know i could do the same things day to day to day but making sure that I incorporate yeah. those moments of veg time mm-hmm. whether it's just you know like cooking for example can be like pretty zen for me i can it'd be like a zen, zen experience just like um you know mowing the lawn at times i felt like when i used to mow the lawn uh, that it would allow me a time to myself hmm. to think and process and, yeah. and rejuvenate in a sense, even though I'm exerting energy, you know? Right. Um, uh, but it can take different forms, a nap, exercise, you know, or just vegging, watching TV, sure. cooking. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's always nice to take vacation, of course, but I don't feel, oh, God, I need a vacation. I never really feel like that. Really? Yeah. Like oh my god I'm done I'm like a wit's end and uh, I I got I need right. vacation time okay. I need two weeks of doing nothing whereas my wife is the opposite she right. definitely is like that she'll take uh uh-uh. uh I am not I've been around too many people uh-huh. for too many days and today I'm doing nothing I am just vegging out and That's so, just nothing right you know <laughs> That's more and I I'm not like that I don't I don't uh, I don't feel that need to do that yeah I think we I just, all have different practices right yeah. Yeah, I think the important part is like having the intuition to listen to your body and to your mind to say like, I want to keep myself healthy and not run myself into the ground by establishing these practices of rest. And, yeah. Yeah, incorporating that throughout the week and it looks different for, for different people. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I never um, burn the end of two candles or whatever uh-huh. the saying is. Burn the candle at both ends. Burn the candle at both yeah. ends, yeah. That's so, good. It's a good thing I'm a, I'm a writer. Yeah. Um, Where can yeah. people find you? Like... Find your, I can't. I don't want them to find me, right? Dana. <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe not find you in your physical person, but in my can, professional sense, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where, where can they find your your writings, etc.? Oh, they can yeah. uh, pick up a copy of the Orlando yeah. Weekly every week. Um, yeah, I write for the Weekly. I write for Eater now as well, which is like another food food based website. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they can find me online too at orlandoweekly.com or on my social media, just at Fiascara. Okay. Um, Facebook. I'm not really on Facebook, but on Instagram and Twitter and a little bit of Facebook, but yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh my God, thank you. For sitting down with me and just sharing a little bit of your unique story. It was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Likewise. Thanks, Baez.
Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation Podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more Cocktails and Conversation? 